0: can help you gain deeper understanding of challenges that may be holding you back. You may not realize that there are others who may be successful and operating successful businesses who share some of the same challenges that you are facing. Welcome to Coaching for Real with Ronald Graves. Our program will look into the individuals and their challenges and show how the coaching process may be what they need to find the root causes of these challenges within themselves and learn to work through these challenges in order to find success. Now, here's your host, Ronald Graves.
1: Hello, and welcome to Coaching for Real, brought to you by Poema Leadership Institute, the show that brings you real people, real challenges, and real breakthrough. Again, I'm your host, Ronald Graves, and this show is about you. Coaching for Real is on the Voice America Business Channel to help you discover your masterpiece and live into your greatness. Let's look at the word coach for just a minute. The word coach is used to describe a number of different people. There are sports coaches, life coaches, business coaches, performance coaches, executive coaches, and many more. Why do these people call what they do coaching instead of, say, teaching or training or leading or consulting or even mentoring? What do all these people have in common? You see, we've spent most of our lives learning from others through different mediums such as books, classrooms, computers, radio, television, the internet, and even face-to-face conversations. And those people fill the role of teacher, author, trainer, manager, leader, consultant, mentor, and so on. And that's all very good because every one of us should be learning and growing every day and there's an unlimited amount of knowledge to be found all around us. But for the challenges you're currently facing in your life and in your business, there is one source of answers, other than God, that is far superior to what can be found in the world of knowledge. And that source is you. Let me explain. First and foremost, it's important to understand that you were created to be great. There is a masterpiece, a poema, within your DNA that is just waiting to be discovered. And that is precisely what coaching is all about. Unlike teachers, consultants, managers, and mentors, who are all very important, a coach enables you to develop a greater sense of self-awareness so you can see your challenges from an entirely new perspective and then draw upon your internal greatness to reach the next level. You see, coaches do not bring you the answers because they know that the best answers don't come from them or from the world around you because they lie within you. So let me explain our show format. Our guests are real people, business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs just like you, with real challenges just like yours. After we introduce our guests and spend some time getting to know them and their business, most shows will feature a live coaching session designed to help our guests achieve real breakthrough, just like we all want. However, today we're very privileged because our guest, Jason True, is a business and executive coach So instead of conducting a coaching session, later on in the show, Jason and I will discuss the art of coaching. Jason graduated with a law degree and masters in communications from Syracuse University. He spent seven years in Silicon Valley working with transformational leaders such as Steve Jobs, Mark Cuban, Mark Hurd, and others at companies such as Apple, HP, Microsoft, Oracle, Pixar, Yahoo, and many others. He has helped clients to meet top influencers such as Richard Branson, Bill Gates, Tim Cook, Peter Diamandis, Chris Anderson, and others. Jason is the author of the number one bestseller, Social Wealth, that's been number one in four business categories on Amazon and sold over 40,000 copies. He has studied and learned hands-on from the top experts in the world such as Tony Robbins, Marie Ferrello, Mastin Kipp, and Bren Brown and at leading institutions such as Harvard, University of California, Berkeley, and Ken Blanchard companies. In the past three years, Jason has helped clients generate over a billion dollars in wealth. Very impressive. So, Jason, welcome to our show.
2: Hey, thanks for having me on the show and speaking to your wonderful community.
1: Great. How are you
2: tonight? I'm doing fantastic. Another great day as usual, as I always say.
1: Great. Glad to have you. Jason. You've become a top business and executive coach and a sales trainer. Can you describe for us the journey that brought you to this point in your career?
2: Well, sure. I mean, I think like any other entrepreneur or or someone who's creating their own path, it was twisty and windy with a lot of um, peaks and a lot of valleys along the way. I started off in law school. And during my second year, I was interviewing in New York City, and I was told that the last question I should ask is a softball question, something easy that people can answer and then also could talk about, you know, how great their law firm was. Well, I, you know, looking back, I asked a very naive question at the time. I didn't think it was, and that was, are you happy? And, you know, after speaking with 30-some people, it was the question that was least believable in every single interview I had asked. And so I thought to myself, "You know, do I really want to work in an industry, in a, in a law firm, where people aren't happy? Like, what makes me think that I can do what they can't? So I decided that a better path for me to go and something that I was equally passionate about was technology. So I went out to Silicon Valley, and I got to work with a lot of great people, you named quite a few of them and it was just a great opportunity to learn from you know people that were on the cutting edge of leadership management communications marketing I mean you name it along the board so that was something that was really really enticing for me and then um, after the downturn in early 2000 I had a few friends whose parents passed away really suddenly and I thought to myself And I'd been away from my mom for a really long time, like thousands of miles away. And I thought it'd be a good idea just to be in the same place for a couple of years. So I decided to move to Dallas, Texas. And, you know, I got here and I was, you know, working in company and work was working at HP at the time. And I was just really not happy. And so I decided, you know, that there must be something else out there. And I didn't really know what that was. And what happened was, was, two friends of mine independently uh, asked me to help one of their friends move from a, a large city to another. So it was two people that I was helping, and they were really worried about making the transition because they had never lived anywhere other than this city um, they were in. And so I helped them, you know, transition their career, their you know social life, and everything else. And you know, went really well in ninety days. And I thought to myself, you know, I might have something here, right? And if I did it for two people, why can't I do it for a thousand? So I decided to put together an outline for a book and some programs and then, you know, I found some people that may be interested and then one person who was really interested. And so, you know, we just put that together, put out a book um, and then just put out some other, you know, coaching and some other options. And it was basically the book was around how to build a great social life in 30 days or less. So it was something really specific that I could focus in on. And there wasn't another person that was really promoting this out there. So it was a niche to get into. And so I just did that for a while, but I didn't really, I wanted to go bigger and I wanted to really focus on, you know, business in some other areas. And I was working full time as I was doing this other, you know, side gig. And so from there, I decided that all the things lined up, and I quit my job, and the partner I had, we had a huge falling out. And uh, I'd been working on social wealth, the, the content for the book, for a really long time and interviewing a lot of people. And so I decided to really just finish up the book, put this business together, and then, you know, press play and just started to do it. And it's, you know, gone really well, but there's definitely been a lot of downs along the way, and it's still, you know, a work in progress, as they say.
1: Okay, that's it's, it's fascinating. Um, can you take us through, you, you made the decision to you know work on the book and kind of move away from your full-time employment. Um, can you go us through that decision process a little bit? Because I know there's a lot of people in my audience that are either halfway there or thinking about it or maybe have done it and maybe have second thoughts. Uh, you talk about ups and downs. Can you kind of fill us in on
2: your thought process? Well, I, I had, you know, I had... Taking some coaching and so i invest in areas i'm a big believer in that and i i do that all the time in fact in december i spent a week and a half and went to two conferences and a mastermind group so that's something that's really important i mean one of the things that i figured out was i had always looked at a purpose my purpose in life is something external to me like serving other people in the world and what i had found through a great coach of mine is my purpose was inside of me and it was tied to my emotions. And when I figured out that my uh, two emotions that were my top ones were um, connecting and belonging, I realized that working in marketing in a technology company wouldn't allow me to do that. I couldn't really touch people all the time because being more successful, I was isolated. I wasn't doing it. Certain times I were was, but not near as much. And that's when I mapped that back, my... Um, valleys were when I was by myself and operating in ways that I was not really touching people outside the company. And so I thought to myself, I need to find a role that I could do it. And then this is a perfect role for my coaching. And I'm like, I need to start doing this now or I'll never do it. And so I realized that at some point I just had to pull the trigger. And like, I had to see if this was going to work because I didn't really have a fallback position at that point. Like it really was Doing this, or I really didn't know what was going on. I mean, it was a low point, and I I really felt like I had nowhere to go but up at that point. So, it was either do it, or I mean, literally, probably, you know, die inside.
1: Okay, so you that that that's a big that's a big uh, decision to make at that point because you put yourself in a position that you know, like you say, the only way was up, and uh, kind of a self motivation. I,
2: yes, I, I want to yes, I want to. I think. Yeah, I was also doing, and I also had, you know, worked on a coaching business side. So I had some, I knew that I had some ability to get all this stuff done. So it wasn't like I blindly did it. I mean, I was doing this on the side for like five years, right? I mean, so I, I did, I hadn't been doing it by myself and I didn't have the business clients that I wanted, but I had some idea how to do it. But I, you know, it still was a huge risk and I would you know looking back it probably would have been better that i actually had been doing some side gig along with this because there was a lot of pressure to find clients and people because my only source of income was the business i was starting and so okay. but i had to do that because it was there were so many things that were challenging in the process that it was just something that i either did this or i wouldn't have done it okay
1: good so jason i'm going to go to your um your website for a minute and go onto the social wealth page of that and they, on that you refer to those successful confident motivated charismatic people who we all admire who seem to have it all and then you ask the question what is their secret so i'm going to turn that question around to you what is their secret
2: well i think people who are really successful in life they do several things one it's really about their mindset And I think they have a mindset in which they're willing to take leaps of faith in life, not for the landing, but for the experience. So they're not attached to those outcomes. So they're willing to live outside their comfort zone and they can manage to do it in a healthy way. I would say secondly, they're really good on the emotional side, right? They can emotional intelligence, whatever you want to use. They really, they can, they've mastered their own and they can read other people. You know, I think, third, they've mastered their own psychology overall, right? And I I think that's really important. I think, four, they're really good at relationship building, right? And they understand that process and what needs to happen in there. And I think the fifth thing is they are really all in on support, um, getting support, like having a network to support them, and also on their own education, right? They're investing a significant amount of time and money in learning consistently, because I believe curiosity is probably the most undervalued quality in society today. And it's one of the most important qualities. If you want to be successful over a long period of time, I mean, it trumps literally everything else because you won't be able to consistently be there. If you're not curious.
1: Exactly. Um, I want to go back to number five on the support you said and, and, and and it sounds like at that point in time, or they, they, what you learned there is that they're working on the owner as opposed to the business. they're working on themselves and developing their own expertise and and then using that to better themselves. is that is that a right uh, summation yeah.
2: and I think and it's an inside out process, right because you can't operate in the real external world, meaning people, if you feel like you're broken inside. I mean, if you don't really know what's going on, and what's going on with your past and what's happened and how that's connected to what's going on right now, if your limiting beliefs are holding you back, I mean, all these things are interconnected. You can't be as near as powerful in the external world and the things that you're doing. So the first step is always trying to master your own psychology. And figure out what are the tr- triggers and what are your blind spots and what are the things holding back. And, like, no human being can do that by themselves. I mean, True. It's, not, it's not possible.
1: And, and, and all of these are kind of intertwined because you just talked about working on yourself yeah. and the support. If I go back and look at relationships and inner psych- your own psychology and your emotional intelligence and your mindset, it's all, it's all under one big umbrella, basically, the support
2: yeah. part. It is, and it's Excellent. critical to have that. And you, what happens is that people get stuck and hit a ceiling when they stop in, investing in the support and education part. Because what happens as an individual is you just run on a runway. I mean, mastery is all about learning, and you can't learn everything, and you can't reinvent the wheel. Meaning, there's someone else out there who's done exactly what you're doing, and you have to find those people. And then put them together in a way that's going to help you. And it's going to require different people at different times. Now you may have some, you know, I have people I you know I talk to that have some coach that is placed central in their life, but they put different pieces and cobble that together over time depending on where they're at, what their goals are, and where they need to be in life.
1: Okay. Excellent. Well, we're getting close to our first break time, and I want to I'm gonna stop here because we're kind of on a come to a, a break point in the, uh, in the discussion. But when we get back on the other side, I want to talk about basically building the book, building the information for the book, learning about breakthroughs, getting all the information, and then how you kind of put it into a book and how you published it. So, so we're going to take a break here. And when we come back, we'll talk about the book itself. And we're, when I return, um, we'll talk about that. So stay tuned. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. You are listening to Coaching for Real on the Voice America Business Network.
0: Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. Imagine a relationship where you're asked to think rather than being told what to think. A relationship that is focused on your potential, not your performance. This is Coaching, a designed alliance where the single purpose is achieving your intended outcome. Discover that what lies behind you and what lies before you are trivial matters compared to what lies within you. Understand that your current realities do not define your potential. They are merely your current awareness of your potential. Become your own hero. Your greatest possibilities lie beneath your current level of self-awareness, waiting to be discovered. Choose to live into the greatness that God created for you. Discover the magnitude of what's within you so you can conquer the magnitude of what surrounds you. Your coach is passionate about helping you achieve your masterpiece at RonaldGraves.com. Again, that's RonaldGraves.com.
2: We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. is Coaching for Real with Ronald Graves. To reach the program today, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You may also choose to send an email to ronald at ronaldgraves.com. Now, back to Coaching for Real.
1: Thank you. We're back with Jason True. And uh, where we left off before we did the break, we were talking about. Um, some of the things that Jason learned as he was interviewing these successful individuals, and I want to kind of follow up with that. And now that you have, now that you've interviewed these people, you've learned these five sort of predictors that you've got of the uh, their success, um, which you refer to as, as I said, predictors for success. What made you decide to go ahead and put that in a book form rather than just taking all this information and using it for your own business and your own Um, success, Um, what made you decide to go with the book and share all of this with the rest of the world?
2: Well, I think it's important to give. And I also think it's important to allow people to get to know you in a way that is very low cost and so they can get information. So my point in assembling the book was I wanted to have the book be 90% content that people could get, apply, use, and be successful with it. And there's going to be 10% marketing like in any book, but that usually is significantly less. And I also wanted to make it a blueprint that people could follow, utilize, go back and look at when they needed it. And so I tried to organize the book, and I also wanted to make it short because one of the things that I found in relationship books was they were really long, and there were a lot of stories. And most of them were at least 250 to 300 pages, and people's attention span isn't there, and you can't go back in a book that's that big. It's just not really helpful, and you're going to forget a lot of this information anyway, so you need to. I wanted to make it in a way that was really more
1: useful. So you, rather than making it, like you say, stories, as, as most books are, you kind of made it into, a, a, um, I guess, a, a, a kind of a text or kind of a, um, a guide that you can refer back mm-hmm. to time after time?
2: Yes, because I thought, it. well, you know, there's, there's a place for stories in books, and I, I, I firmly believe that, but the stories in the books that I was looking at were a lot of the authors trying to show that they were experts, and I was like, okay, either you believe what I'm telling you works or it doesn't. I'm not going to sit here and try to justify it, because I know that it did, and I've done tons of research on this more than probably literally anyone else out there has done when it comes to relationship building. I mean, that's what I'm an expert in by far. But it was like I wanted to put this together and then have it work for people, right? They could read it quickly and then just go out and put it into use. And it didn't matter whether you're an introvert, extrovert, shy, whatever it might be. And no matter where you live, you could utilize the information and put it into context.
1: That's interesting because when I'm reading books, and I've been doing this for years now as I've developed my expertise and my business. I would go through and read a book and then I would go back through the book a second time and I would highlight all the important points, which usually were everything but the stories. Then I would take my high, what i would highlighted and type up the outline, basically of my highlights. And then I would have, instead of a 200 page book to go back and look through, um, to try to refer, where did I find this at? I've got like a 15 or 20 page outline of the entire book and I read the outline and never go back to the book. So you you've pretty much already done that for me. You've taken all the, all the stuff up and just put it in a format that I don't have to build my own outline.
2: Right, because it's 125 pages. And I, had, and I had a ceiling on it at 150 when I, when I first started thinking about okay. writing it. And so that was pretty intentional on why I made the length I did. It wasn't just, I could have put a lot more information in the book, but I realized that that was just going to be either fluff or too much for people to actually digest and use. Great concept.
1: Now, in your book, you talk about the eight key components to supercharging our relationships. So can you can you briefly summarize those for us?
2: Sure. So I try to put these together in the beginning of the book to tell people some things I think they needed to keep really in the forefront of their mind of the things that they'll be learning and also really just things that Dane needed to buy into philosophically, right? That is really important. So part of it, you know, I, I talked one of them in there. I think the first one is putting people first. And I think it's important that you have to be present. You have to be focused. You have to care about people. Um, you have to be giving. And so I think that's really critical. I think the the next one on there was seeing every opportunity. Meaning everywhere you're at, you can meet great people. And if you don't start thinking about it like that, you're going to miss out on a lot of people. And plus, you won't be practicing, which is really key part of the process. Um, and another, another one in there is you just got to start, right? You've just got to start talking to people, and there's no right time. The only right time is now, and you, you just need to get started. You don't have to be perfect. You've just got to do it. Right. I think the other part of it going to hand in hand with that is conquering your fears, right? Because one of the biggest things we fear is rejection, because that leads to disconnection and it leads to isolation. And so you've just got to get out there and start doing it. And you won't conquer your fear unless you have proof. Um, and then you know, I also I think that these, you know, the other part of this is that social skills are learned behavior, and I think a lot of people believe that they're. Um, something that they're born with, and the reality is, is that anyone can become great at it if they just practice. Um, now, there may be people that are born, you know, and they have some skill levels that you maybe you'll never be able to attend, but if right now you're a three or four on a scale, you can easily get up to a six or seven or eight if you practice this over time. Um, and then, you know, another key part of it is your emotions need to be mastered. I mean, your emotions and how they affect you will create the reality around you. And you need to understand them and really kind of what's uh, how to tap into them. That's that's really kind of the gist of the the ones. Okay. Now I'm going to do
1: something different here. I believe, personally, that there are three different fundamental manners of communication. There's the the one-on-one, kind of like we're doing now, you and I. There's the um, group setting, which I find the most difficult. And then there's addressing an audience. So would you take each of these and discuss what you believe are the most key most important keys to building relationships in each of those. Can we start with the one-on-one communication? When, let's say it's you and one other person. What would you say are the top keys to building that relationship for the, for, if you well, meet them for the first that, time?
2: Right. No matter how you operate, really the key is, is that the, the three building blocks of building a relationship is rapport, likability, and trust. And you've got to build, you've got to master each of those I and mean, you can do them quickly in order to create enough intrigue for people to want to follow up with you. And it doesn't matter whether you're in a one-on-one or whether you're in an audience um, or whether you're in a group, right? And I think that's the key. And, you know, if you can do that, you're going to be successful. And when it comes to rapport, I mean, there's two ways to look at rapport because you're trying to find common ground with someone and relate to them and understand where they're coming from and connect with them on an emotional level. So it's either verbal or nonverbal, and the nonverbal ways, you know, are things like NLP, body language. Amy Cuddy, who's a professor at Harvard, wrote a great book on that called Presence, and that I would recommend that is a great outlet for that. And then when it comes to verbal, the key is is you've got to find some emotional connection and some deeper level that you can get with someone really quickly. And what most people do is they ask boring interview questions, which turn people off. And people have been through those questions, you know, a thousand times or more, meeting people in different settings, and it hasn't gone well most of the time, so they automatically turn you off. So the questions you should be asking people right away are things like, what are you passionate about? Like, what's exciting that's going on in your life right now? Because those questions get at what people care about, what they're interested in, and then you follow up and you can ask them questions on that. And so that's really important, and that's an easy way to find common ground with other people on what they care about, which is the most important thing, not what you care about. Your agenda doesn't matter. It's their agenda that does. I say the second one is likability, and the key thing there is listening. Right? I mean, most people are not present at any point in their life. And when you're talking to someone, you can't talk to the person across the room. You can't do anything else. You can't worry about what you're having for dinner you just have to be present in the moment. And I think that if you are, people can tell if you're not, right? I mean, nonverbal communication is most of communication and they can tell when you're not present and that immediately, that immediately kills the interaction. So you need to be focused. And one way you can show people that you're focused is by active listening, like repeating back parts of a conversation when appropriate. And the third part of it is trust and trust. The key thing about trust is caring, right? All the different parameters of trust, caring is the one that trumps everything else. And so how do you show that you care about someone else, that you give them something of value? And that something of value could be your time, it could be your smile, it could be listening, right? It could be helping them. Um, a lot of times I tell people that if in a business context, find out what they're passionate about or what they care about and offer suggestions on things that they could do or follow up with them and do that. Because if you do that, you lead with giving. And the one thing that when you lead with giving, it puts you in a rare space with that person, because the only people that lead with giving with individuals typically are people in that person's inner circle, meaning a partner, meaning a business partner as well. It could be a family, friend. It could be anyone, right? But it's, it's usually those people. And when you do that with someone, you create an instant relationship. And you can do this in, like, you know, two minutes or less with someone one-on-one.
1: A couple of things come to mind as as you were going through that. One is you have to be kind of in the mental frame of mind when you start out. You're not going to build rapport, like, ability and trust if you're not, you know, if you're not prepared to do that. Um, Yeah. And the other thing that comes to mind is that you talked about what i'm thinking about is some people kind of put this on you can tell that they're not sincere and it it's really easy to thre- see through insincerity so you know can you can you discuss that just a little bit how to how to how to prepare to be sincere as opposed to just going through the motions
2: well i think part of it is whenever you're going out whether it's personally or professionally you've got to have goals on why you're doing what you're doing right and i think that's mm-hmm. important I mean, you have to have a purpose on why you're going and meeting people and doing something. And I think once you figure that out, that's step one. I think step two is you have to always be thinking, how can I add value to people? Adam Grant wrote a great book um, called Give and Take, and he talks about givers, takers, and matchers. And the problem with a taker is they look at the world in scarcity, right, and that if I get something – then you don't, right? And matchers are people that if I give you a dollar, I expect a dollar back, and if I don't get exactly what I think back, then I'm going to cut you out, right? And givers, if it's done correctly, give without wanting anything in return, but they have boundaries on what they're going to give. But that looks at the world of abundance, and also you're not attached to what is going on around you, so you don't take it personally, and you just roll with the punches, and you find your people because people who, of like-mindedness, do the same thing, right? They lead with giving with boundaries, mm-hmm. and those are the people right. you want in your life because they don't have scorecards. Well, this all matches back to sincerity, right? Because those mm-hmm. people are sincere, and they're out there wanting to help people, and that's the people, type of people everyone claims they want to be around. And I think deep down, that's where they want to be. They just don't have the mindset to get there. So I think you know, sincerity, authenticity are absolutely essential in this process.
1: Okay. Thank you. Let's move on now to group settings. And that's the one I struggle with the most. You, know, when you walk into a room and it seems like there's one person in the room that everybody is just sort of, you know, going towards. And it's like they're they're, they're you know, have this big audience in front of them and they're entertaining them. But that's kind of the way, that, you know, you think well, I want to be like him or her. But I'm not sure that's what we really want to be. So can you tell us what are, are the secrets to working a room to create, you know, these kind of extraordinary relationships?
2: Sure. Well, the reason that typically you don't want to be that person is that person usually is extroverted. It's all about them, and they are trying to exert power and status on people to make them secondary, right? And mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't ever go back like that because the ego of that person eventually brings them down. It may not in that moment, but eventually their time will come. So if you're working a room like that, I, I'd say to you that first, if you're an introvert or someone who's shy, and it, and i recommend people go to charity or non-profit events meaning you know the symphony opera um other things like that because typically though that's where you know people who are social influencers people who have money go um people who are more givers go so it is the optimal places to go i think interest groups can be as you know useful as well but if you're, if you're those people, what you want to do is there's always a check-in table, and you want to work that because what happens is if you're at that level, you're nervous to begin with. Well, your nervousness decreases because you're not in your own head because you have to actually do something. And by checking people in, you're actually meeting them for the first time, and you have a reason to do that to talk to them because you actually have to physically check them in. Well, that helps you because after you leave the check-in table and walk around the room, you're meeting people a second time and they're actually warmed up, right? So that, that helps That's a trick for someone, and this works easily. And everyone needs help in, a, in an event, so that, like, there's barely any chance that they won't allow you to do that because they need people. Now, the other thing you do, which is actually gold, which works extremely well, is introducing people to other people, now, the secret behind this, and this is gold, right? I mean, this is the thing that will fundamentally change your life. I mean, because it has mine, and every client I have that uses this has, like, insane level of success. Is you don't have to know the people in the room, that's the great thing. And where you go is you go where people congregate, which is usually the bar, right? And you don't need to drink. You could just go get water. But how you do this, right? And it's simple is the fact that if there's a person on your right, you just ask them, so, you know, how's your week going? What's on your agenda for the weekend? So what brought you to this event? And it doesn't really matter what you ask them. It's really immaterial. You're just getting information so they're actually talking and looking at you. And then what you do is literally take your index finger on both hands, and and let's say there's someone on your left, right? Um, Mm -hmm. You go to the person on your left, and you say, hey, what's going on? I have someone great for you to meet. And uh, you just kind of put your fingers and take them across your body so your arms are actually crossing and your index fingers are going over. And then let them talk. And that's all you have to say because they'll take it from there and they'll at least say hi. All right? I mean, And, and mm-hmm. you can carry the conversation and make some small talk and they'll run with it. And you can bring in a person behind you, right? And the person behind you, you can say, Hey, how's it going? And they'll say, Great, and saying, you know, I have someone great for you to meet. And you can introduce them to both of those people. Now, I don't even ask their names because I know that they're going to introduce each to each other. So I've found that it's a waste of time and it takes care of itself. Now, if you bring in a third person, I mean now you've now you're the hub introducing all these people. Well the great thing about it is that if you keep doing this When you walk around the room, you're going to feel very comfortable and powerful and confident, and you're going to go up to those people, and you're going to say, hey, what's going on? How's how's the rest of your night going? And They're going to introduce you to the people that are around. You're going to meet all these people, and they're going to be excited to introduce you because the only people that ever introduce other people are people that know them and usually pretty well. Well, you're the person that they've never met before, and they're like, this guy's got to be great. Like, why would he be doing that? He has to be confident, right? Or woman, it doesn't matter, right? I think that really effectively, where you can meet 20 to 50 people in less than an hour, it's not very hard. And then you just exchange business information, contact information. You don't talk business. You just talk socially. And the secret is talk 30%, listen 70 because no one cares about what you say. You don't have to sell yourself. Because the most important thing and topic that everyone wants to talk about is themselves.
1: That's great. That, that is gold. That is gold. Huh? Absolutely. Now, we're getting close to our second commercial break. So I want to I stick with that, with that theme of listening that you said, 30% talking, 70% listening. I want to pick up on that when we get to the other side of our break. Um, so we're now approaching our last commercial break. Again, when we return, we'll be back with Jason. We'll talk about some of the 12 principles, uh, power principles of social success, one of which is listening. And you are listening, speaking of that, to The Coaching for Real on the Voice of American Business Channel.
0: Think
2: you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7.
0: Imagine a relationship where you're asked to think rather than being told what to think. A relationship that is focused on your potential, not your performance. This is coaching. A designed alliance where the single purpose is achieving your intended outcome. Discover that what lies behind you and what lies before you are trivial matters compared to what lies within you. Understand that your current realities do not define your potential. They are merely your current awareness of your potential. Become your own hero. Your greatest possibilities lie beneath your current level of self-awareness. Waiting to be discovered. Choose to live into the greatness that God created for you. Discover the magnitude of what's within you so you can conquer the magnitude of what surrounds you. Your coach is passionate about helping you achieve your masterpiece at RonaldGraves.com. Again, that's RonaldGraves.com. If you are in the sales field or maybe don't even know that you are, you need a plan to be successful. Every day we are engaged in business and don't even realize that it all comes down to sales. We all have something to say and need to motivate others to the same way of thinking. Sales execution optimization, the new SEO, is the show that gets you thinking and speaking whatever the product or service. Host Bill Bush will give you the tips you need to succeed. Listen every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. is coaching for real with ronald graves to reach the program today please call 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 you may also choose to send an email to ronald at ronaldgraves.com now back to coaching for real
1: welcome back we are here with jason true and when we went to our break we were discussing how to work a room to create extraordinary relationships. And Jason gave us some tips, including his gold tip about introducing people in the room to each other. And I, he talked and he said during that introduction, he mentioned that, you know, when you're in that you speak 30% of the time and you listen at least 70% of the time. And I'm a big believer in the power of listening. In fact, it's in such an important skill that it takes, I think it takes a little bit of time to develop. So you say that in your book under one of the 12, power principles of social success, that listening is to be cherished. Can you elaborate on that for us?
2: Well, most people try to talk more because they're trying to convince the other person of their worth. They're trying to sell themselves. And why do you need to sell yourself? You're awesome already. That's the first part of that. The other part of it is we learn and get to know people by listening, not talking. So you're missing out on a significant part of the world around you because you're too busy talking and thinking about what you're going to say rather than listening. And so my point is that you should enjoy listening. That should be a huge part of your life and that should be something that you really look forward to because it's the biggest opportunity that you have to get to know other people, to learn new things, to take your life forward. And so you should cherish every opportunity that you get.
1: Yeah, I like I like I've heard the term recently about You can't learn anything when you're talking so i mean you know you learn by listening and asking good questions yeah Um, now still staying in this 12 power principles of social success um you you say an interesting concept here make fear or worry your friend and then thinking back into going into a, a room or a group of people and and mingling socially um you mentioned earlier that there's there's a fear element in that so you can you Can you help me or help the rest of our listeners who who would like to learn how to do that? Make make that fear our friend.
2: Well, I think part of it is when you start to feel uncomfortable, that means you're going outside your comfort zone, and that's where all learning exists, right? The thing that you have Mm -hmm. to do is you you cannot go outside your comfort zone consistently if you can't make it in a healthy way. So part of the game that I do or I did – was when I was walking around a room, is that I said to myself, I'm the social ambassador of goodwill, like, or I'm the unofficial host of the party, or something like that, that I was at, or wherever function I was at in my head, because it would allow me to embrace my fears of meeting people and then my head them rejecting me, right? Because that's part of where the fear is. Right? you get rejected or you fail to make a connection with someone because that's a powerful thing. So instead I was like, this is awesome, right? Every time I feel uncomfortable, I'm going to embrace that because I can grow and get better, and I'm going to meet people, and I'm going to meet this head on, right? And I just changed my mindset to look at it in a different way and realized it was an opportunity. And then I embraced that and went out and met a lot of people and did things um, that I would normally not do. And, like, when I moved to Dallas, I didn't know a single person. So it's not like I'm telling you this stuff. I started from scratch. And I'm not some wild extrovert and walk in a room and do this stuff all by myself. I had to get outside my comfort zone and really had to apply this over time and figure this out.
1: Great. I'm going to stay for just a second now in in these 12 power principles. I'm going to go to number 12. And this kind of follows into what I'm going to go to next and talk a little bit with you about uh, the art of coaching. But as a fellow coach, Um, you number 12, you say, start asking, start by asking better questions. So what do you think, what can you tell us about the secret of asking good questions and better questions?
2: Well, if you ask yourself negative questions, you're going to get back negative answers and you're going to collect the evidence for your supposition, right? If you look Mm -hmm. at something and saying, so why did I fail, right? Right. I mean, mm-hmm. there is value in that, but typically when people do that, they go out on a rat hole. of the saying, well, I, I wasn't good enough, I wasn't worthy enough, and then that goes into a whole slew of limiting beliefs that then crystallize that situation. If you go in and ask what if something didn't go right, Thing, what's the lesson from this? What thing is happening to me consistently across the board and the theme that I need to focus and work on? And... What can I do to get better at that, and who can I reach out to to get help from or research, right? And I think then you look at a situation completely differently. And the first way, you're not going to get any better. And, in fact, you're just crystallizing that, and you're placing yourself as a victim, and you're blaming everyone else in the world around you and circumstances. And the second place, you're taking ownership for it. And you're saying, I've got to take action, and that's the only way that things are going to get better so I think that's the part of questions, right? We can't negatively do things in our own head that actually, you know, hurt us in the process.
1: That's good. I like that. So I'm going to switch the the gears just a little bit. I'm going to go in. We're talking about coaching. We're talking about asking questions. We're talking about being curious. I um, I want to talk for just a couple of minutes with you on the word coach. It's become a common term used to describe all kinds of business professionals who provide some sort of knowledge and information to others. And, and, and you're a successful business and executive coach. So would you care to comment on the phenomenon that, you know, help our listening audience understand what coaching truly is and, 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 you know, to kind of talk about the fact that the coach may be an overused term?
2: Yeah, because I think, you know, partly when I think of a coach, it's someone doing something exceptional. Right, they have to have some skill or something that they do that's exceptional and they have to prove it to you in some way. I mean for an outside person for, for for me to you know pay for something that I would do, right? Now then a coach who's great get help on the other areas in order to improve. So for instance, like one thing I'm great on is relationship building and human behavior. Like that's an expert, like I can do this in my sleep, I can predict what people are going to do. But stuff about my mindset, although I was good at it, I certainly was not great. So I decided, well, I don't, re- you know, I need to get way better because I have to help people from the inside out. So I found a slew of coaches and people where I learned what they were doing and I took things from them and courses and some in person and some coaching so I could learn these things, right? Moving forward. So I think that's pretty critical. And I think, you know, then with a the coach as well, you're going to find different coaches for different things in your life. Right. And you need to assemble them like you would in education at a university and picking up courses. And so you, you know, you've got to go through there and find people and there's different people for different challenges in your life. And the more specific you can work with on a coach and what they're good at, the more they're going to help you.
1: Good. Okay. Now I want to shift gears a little bit back again. Um, you, know, you spend a great deal of time with entrepreneurs and executives, and you mentioned that you're finding more and more of these individuals are feeling lost and bored. You touched on that just a little bit back in the very first segment. So can you explain to us what causes business leaders, in in, in your experience, to get stuck both personally and professionally?
2: Well, what happens at at, at a level, you know, that what goes on is that whatever's happened under the age of 10 years old, the child is still haunting them right now. And that's every single person I've coached. And I've done it hundreds and hundreds of times. So you have to find out what are the blind spots that are holding you back. And it goes back that far because those are the things stopping you from moving forward. And that, and eventually your ceiling will run out. I'd also say the next thing is they have not figured out what's next for them like they don't know what they want to do next. So they're just bored right now. Part of it is you may not know what's next, but part of what planning for that is networking and building out a great group of people. So if you're CEO, you should be doing things to meet other CEOs locally and nationally. And frankly, in a lot of ways, globally, I mean, you need to get out there and meet other people. And because if you don't, you won't, think that there's something next for me to do and you're just gonna top yourself out with your skills and your mindset and your ability. So what you've got to do is find the next hill to climb and be planning for that process to get where you need to go and find the skills that you need. Um start thinking about it, seeking it out, talking to other people, get curious about your own life and get passionate. Because what happens then is you just check out. You're just like, well, there's not anything there. And worse than that, what most people do is they then do negative behaviors, which means they'll do things like drinking, they'll gamble, they'll have affairs, because they'll be bored and they won't know what to do, right? And I think the challenge with executives and senior leaders and entrepreneurs is there's no handbook that says, here's what you do next, right? You, you, you have to figure this all out on your own, and there's really no place to get help at, and so that's the problem. And So unless you seek out help and get help, you will most likely fall in a negative way and then you'll hit some sort of rock bottom and then what you do from there is going to depend on the rest of your life either being something you love or something that's extremely painful and most people never make it out of it i mean I, you, you most people don't that's why you rarely see people have two businesses in a row that are grand slams it's very hard to find people that have done that they're out there, wow. but it is a very minuscule amount of the senior executives that are out there that are doing that.
1: Yeah, wow, that's amazing. Amazing perception there. So as we're getting, talking about this getting stuck and unstuck, what, talk about how emotions play into this. You, you talked about kind of the, the past and then what happened in the first 10 years of their life, but that's focus a little bit on the emotional side of it.
2: Well, I think the key thing about the emotions is that that's how we connect to other people. Right. I mean, if you think about, you know, that goes through vulnerability. So if if people are listening, think about this. The people that you care about the most, you are emotionally connected to them much more than you are acquaintances. Well, you know, the key thing about that is that's because emotions are drivers in building deep relationships. And you can build deep relationships with people, even people that are acquaintances. And people think that's a limiting belief to think you can't. But the key is is you've got to master your own emotions first, and you've got to understand what your drivers are. And one of the exercises I did was to look back at the happiest moments in my life and look at what emotions I was feeling and then put those all together. And then from there, actually ask myself, what emotion would I rather feel or what emotion is the uh, precursor for the other one? And when I did that, I really understood, you know, what we talked about earlier, connecting and belonging were my top two emotions. And you could argue that it's three or four. I mean, it's, it's, to me, that's a horse apiece, right? The key thing mm-hmm. is I knew that. I knew that every time that I was, I'm connecting and belonging, I feel powerful. I feel excited. I feel passionate. I feel purposeful, right? I do this. That's why I love doing radio shows, podcasts, and TV shows, because I'm connecting with people. When I'm sitting in my house by myself for too long, I know that my energy goes down, my enthusiasm mm-hmm. goes down and everything else does, my productivity and everything else, right? So when you can tap into that consistently, you can perform at your highest level and you will be the most successful.
1: Great, great information, great advice. We've got about I got about one minute left uh, before we have to kind of, you know, wind this down. Could you, you talk about creativity and innovation. You talked just a minute ago about um, the, creating the vision and having two successful businesses in a row. Just talk for just a second about the role of creativity and innovation in that.
2: Well, I think it's absolutely essential, right? I mean, you have to, one, you have to have a vision to look at what you want a business to look at. And when I talk to business leaders and I work at a three-year vision, right, and I basically obtain a picture of what you want that business to look like in three years. Profit revenue, marketing, IT, whatever it is, every department, how does that look? Not the how, but what you want to look and work backwards, because I think that is extremely important in a business for what you're going to do. Now, the other part of it, I think to innovate, you've got to spend time every week um, by yourself thinking creatively about the things that you could be doing and where you could go, because that's where your greatest ideas were going to be. And you've got to set aside time, right? Google does this for all their employees. I mean, it's one of their core principles and how they're successful, right? So you need to do that as a person in whatever it is that you're doing, no matter what. I don't care if you're an accountant or a lawyer or whatever. You've got to find a purpose and passion, and you've got to set time stuff to figure this stuff out. Otherwise, you're not going to be truly alive because the creativity and innovation are what lies outside your comfort zone, and that's the things that are going to challenge you and bring you to the heights that you can go to.
1: Great idea. Great advice. Jason, it's been a sincere pleasure having you as a guest on Coaching for Real tonight. How can our listeners contact you to get more information on your services and obtain a copy of uh, social wealth?
2: Sure. They can go to my website, and it's my name, Jason, and then it's T-R-E-U.com. So it's my first name and last name, Jason, J-A-S-O-N, T-R-E-U.com. And there's everything there and giveaways and videos and a lot of other things that you can get as well.
1: Thank you very much, Jason. Coaching for Real is about you, real people, real challenges, real breakthrough. If you're an entrepreneur or business leader and are interested in being a guest on this show, please let me know. I'll be more than happy to send you an application. In addition, send me your comments, questions, anything else might be on your mind. My email address is ronald at ronaldgraves.com. That's ronald at ronaldgraves.com. It's been a sincere pleasure to add value to you through Coaching for Real. May the Lord bless you and keep you until we meet again. Good night.
0: Thank you for listening to Coaching for Real today. Be sure to join Ronald Graves again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific time and 7 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk again very soon.